What? Did we just become best friends? Yeah! One is a t-shirt queen, and the other is an SEO and web developing ninja. And both of these squirrels are a little nuts. You're now listening to the More Gooder Ideas Podcast, a show for the small business hustlers worldwide, encouraging you to be your most authentic self. This is the place where your whole story matters. Come for the tips and stay for the fun. Now, your hosts, Angie Patterson and Jay Smith. Welcome. How's it going, Jay? Welcome to your own home. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me in my basement. <laughs> Appreciate that. What's been going on with you the last couple of weeks? Uh, just a whole lot of work. Um, closing up four different uh, web development projects. I've got two more that I'm starting. And then I've got, oh gosh, three or four meetings next week. Um, so it looks like it's going to be a busy fall-winter mix. Nice. Um, plus, have been visiting you at your new shows because the Ooh. fall... Whatever season, what is it called? Season? The vendor Autumn? market show season? Oh, okay. Yeah, craft fairs or go. vendor markets. Okay. Yeah, I've been busy too. I'm tired. I'm already tired. Well, given today's subject, you better, <laughs> better sack up. I'm perked up. Right, because uh, this is all you. I'm drinking water instead of Red Bull, so I That's can... very sage health. We are not a health... Focus podcast, um, but water is better for you than energy drinks. I'm just going to say. Allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) We're not medical professionals. So they say. (laughs) Okay. Um, So what we were going to talk about today is uh, some of the takeaways from the two, I think it's been two big, big shows you've done in the last two weekends. Yes. So um, maybe to give kind of a primer for everybody and we use this term vendor market and all this quite often, maybe explain kind of high level so everyone understands kind of baseline of what we're talking about. A vendor event is much like a craft fair, festivals, family fun festivals, basically anywhere where businesses, organizations, community groups can set up a spot where they can sell their goods or tell people about their services, their organization. Maybe they raise money or have gift baskets. Okay. So um, I would say in general, it's a way to kind of get in front of your community in an event-based space. Okay, so like the street fairs, sometimes live music. Yeah. Often beer. Yes. And bourbon because of where we are. Bouncy houses. There's always someone selling honey 100% of the time, <laughs> every single time. And I love honey. And I like tasting all their weird hot honeys and bourbon honeys and all the others. The the, the flower-based honeys are a little, that's a little much. <laughs> Even though I know honey, that's where it comes from. But it, you don't have to inject it with more flowers. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, okay. Um, definitely, I think uh, one of the great sides of our topic we're going to talk about today is a vendor fair can be utilized not just if you're an entrepreneur or small business person. Okay. Um, because like I said, it's a great way if you're a part of an organization to get in front of your community, meet people. I have an example of that, as a matter of fact, from last weekend. Oh, please, please say us. Please share it. Okay, so we're jumping right in. So there is a, an annual art festival, the Big Four Bridge. Yes. Um, I think it's called the Big Four Arts Festival. But Bridgehaven Mental Health Services actually sponsors it and runs the front gate. 
Okay. So, so, but the art festival itself is is actually a big deal. Like most of the people, and there was so there was a lot of art, but there was also a lot of craftsman stuff being sold. And most of the people we talked to were from throughout the Midwest. Cool. Um, Susan, not bought, just local. No, no, not at all. Actually, most weren't. Oh. Uh, Susan bought a beautiful uh, leather notebook from uh, a young lady and her husband who were here from Wisconsin. Wow. And we went to it. Uh, actually, we've been to it two years in a row because I, I do some work with Bridgehaven. So I know uh, Janet, the director there very well. And uh, it's grown. And this course this last weekend was beautiful weather. Because there's people with the, you know, the springy yard art. <laughs> I love springy yard art. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like industrial metal that's yeah. been finely welded together. And it looks like frogs and uh, butterflies and stuff. Ooh. There's live music. Um, it was kind of that folksy, I, I mentioned to Susan after about 10 minutes, like, I feel like I'm in a Civil War movie. Because <laughs> it was kind of that, kind of the slower Mumford and Son type action where it's, you know, the Like you're going to spot the love of your life and like. A... Or just get shot in the neck and left for dead on the mountain, like most of those By movies. your brother. Horribly depressing movies. Anywho, what you said was exactly right, though, because Bridgehaven, it's not like everywhere you go in this thing Bridgehaven is in your face or you know you've got you know sponsor us and come to this event and all that they are literally there to run the front gate take five dollar donations and that's it and then I I believe they also help clean up and they like basically they're the sponsor of the event but that's that's a great example of what you're talking about yeah it's not necessarily maybe you're listening to this podcast like our number one fan Cassidy Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're not... Wait, I'm going to just back up here. <laughs> now that we have established who Cassidy is and how important she was to last week's episode, until she starts paying a sponsorship, we're not mentioning her again. Oh. <laughs> right, you got your... You, you got owe your... us $5 right. for every you time got... we say your name. <laughs> you, got your, you got your two minutes. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe you uh, have an organization you're passionate about that you volunteer with. Uh, maybe you have a, a side hustle, if you will, or... Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can use a vendor event, not just, um, like me who I have a product based business. I'm trying to sell my products Mm -hmm. and, you know, get in front of more customers. I have also noticed, um, a few vendors who are selling food that are, that are homegrown, not just restaurants, but, uh, cakes by Maddie. I've seen her at many of these events and she makes macaron cookies. The one I was at last weekend in the town it's in, there's a restaurant that's getting ready to um, close up shop there, unfortunately. They were selling egg rolls and cookies because that's what they had left in their inventory after closing the that's restaurant a, down. An interesting. Uh, is that a, a hybrid? Is that a fusion and, restaurant? Both were. Cookie it was, egg roll? Both of them were fabulous, Ooh, you know. Egg roll cookies. That's an interesting idea. That's an interesting fusion. I'd eat that. Are you watching this, Bay's Bakery? That mm, was for you. Cookie egg rolls. Remember That's, us. They're not watching. They're too, <laughs> they're too busy. <laughs> they're, they're actually running businesses. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, not farting around in their basement playing uh-huh. radio DJ. But I did try to look at it um, because of the episodes we did the last couple of weeks. I did try to look at it through a lens of not just a small business owner, but how other people listening could utilize vendor events to help okay. whatever their goal is. And then, obviously, I'm relying on you to be the shopping point of view. Man on the street. Yes. You didn't have a notepad out when you came to my booth, so I was a little disappointed. In the vault. Yeah. <laughs> I also kicked you out when you came in. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, that, that's going to speak exactly to one of my points. <laughs> not, not like that. But go ahead. So what do, what do you got? 
Um, so the first event I did two weekends ago was a, I guess a, um, would you call it like a thrift market, vintage what, what? market? It was the Florida Flea. The one under the bridge. Yes. Yes. So I've been to that same event a couple of years running. It's quite large. Mm. Um, it's got its own kind of flavor. Uh, it's, it's, I would say, gosh, at least 200, maybe 300 booths, um, intense. Uh, it's got. Uh, DJs playing vinyl records at each of the kind of three main entrances. It's got quite a few food trucks. Um, and it's, it's it was very well attended. Yes. That was a pretty cool event, and you get to see a lot of different stuff. I met some artists, a lot of people selling essentially, um, you know, like pawn shop or vintage kind of antique shoppy type booths. And then there were not quite as many, but some that had newer, like you, that sell new clothes. Yes. I also... Um... Uh, saw some repurposed mm -hmm. stuff, a lot of repurposed stuff. And then they did have like, um, I guess what's considered like picker. Yes. Yeah. Booths, which I'm not really for sure what the difference between that and like vintage stuff is. What you call it. I guess like picking's more of like furniture and like memorabilia and stuff, would you say? I wouldn't. Cause okay. I <laughs> it's all the same stuff. I it's, don't really know. <laughs> it's It's other people's old shit to me. Yeah, um, which so I cool. think that was a real advantage for me personally mm -hmm. because everything I had was new, so it did stand out a little bit. One thing I did notice in several of the booths was this horseshoe kind of pattern, right? They'd have a, an aisle of stuff in the middle, down the sides, especially the ones right near the entrance. So they were very, very crowded. And they would have, so basically at the top of the horseshoe would be where the owner would be and you would pay them for whatever you picked up on your way the there okay uh did not love that setup because i saw many people walk on by uh just because it was too crowded to get in and then some people would go up the wrong the wrong side and then you would you would end up with because if someone would stop and start looking because the space was so limited you were stuck you're just standing there staring at the side of their head like yeah <laughs> so so like someone like me who, you know, I don't want to stand in the same place very long. I want to go see other stuff. And there's 300 other booths. Even if I think, oh, there's some cool stuff in here. I'm going to come back. I'm not coming back because I'll see 250 other things that are interesting. I'll lose track of it. So I think any booth owner, especially though, and those were some larger spots, like the ones that are right by the entrance, they were much larger than what you had. I don't know if they charge by the size of they space. Do. Okay. Mm -hmm. These were, they were longer. Some of them were wider. But I think if you could really engineer kind of your space and traffic flow, and I did notice some of this in yours where, you know, you had a U set up and you had a, a large rack right in the middle and then you were at the back with stuff on a wall. And then it bottlenecks. It does. Um, and I did see some people uh, just, you know, if there were too many people on the left and too many people on the right, they would, they would kind of look and, oh, that's cute. And then... Yes. By because there's another thing and another thing and there's so much variety that uh, there's no telling over the course of a day if you don't optimize for traffic and for capturing everyone who walks in what you miss out on. Yes, that was actually, I would say, my biggest downfall because um, and a pro tip if you do a vendor event is to really understand the shape of your space. Mm -hmm. Typically, you're going to get like a 10 by 10 space at most events and then you can pay extra for extra space. Well, I paid extra for a 10 by 15 spot. And somebody who uses their brain would know that the extra <laughs> five feet, 
it's not me. The extra five feet is going to be in front of you, mm-hmm. right? And in my mind, without making any clarifications, assumed the extra five feet were going to go this way. So when I show up and see my space, that's what it is. I was done for. Yeah, because I had made no provisions with my um, like my racks and. Uh, the different things I used to display my mm-hmm. items for that ty- kind of space. Can I give you, <laughs> can I just give you one thing? Don't do that again. For, Thank. for the love of God, put up the damn Joe dirt <laughs> on the corner. You know how many hipsters and kids in there would run to the back of your booth to take their picture with Joe dirt, put up the Joe dirt and put a sign, take a selfie with Joe dirt. Like, there were so many hipsters there. I missed him. And I had my skeleton, Sticks, who was kind of my mascot for mm-hmm. my business. And he was also in the back because... Ooh, get Sticks a mullet wig and dress him like Did you Joe see Dirt. the Sticks pictures from I this did. weekend? Yeah. She was looking fabulous. But, yeah. I mean, th- those are all things that, in my mind, I had planned out. But there wasn't a reality. So and Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, <laughs> a la Mike Tyson. Yes. Yeah. And if I would have thought about it for more than 30 seconds, I would have known that's how it was going to be. And if you ever are doing an vendor event and you have questions about those things... Clarify them before you go, because it does make a difference. I did great that day, but how much more could I have made had people been able to get into my booth? And I also, uh, my mom always says, I'm the special sauce. Like, I'm the thing that kind of puts my products over the top Mm -hmm. of the people on either side of me. And so I was trapped in the back. I wasn't able to give that interpersonal experience that usually kind of sets me apart from other people. I agree, and I'm not going to pick on you per se, and also I have not sold at vendor events, so I'm no expert on this, uh, but I would say that maximizing every opportunity you have is is critical, and if, you know, logistically, there are only 52 opportunities to do this in a year, even though there are not 52 vendor events in Louisville a year, so realistically, it's probably 20, 25, uh, so I think really thinking about and we've talked before about you know engaging with people and having different um you know i did i you know we went into some booths that were just (laughs) downright like inhospitable to walk into like why are you in here looking at my stuff or there's nobody in there at all that too um (laughs) how do i buy any of these things that too i i saw uh over on the corner of the food court somebody had a little table where they had baked goods kind of stuff cookies and all that package but there was no one there I I get it. Like you have to go to the bathroom. You got to go get something to drink and all that, but bring someone with you. Like how many sales are you going to miss? Especially when people are tired of standing in line at food trucks. They have nowhere to sit. I would have set up another table where people can sit if they buy my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause those tables were, you couldn't sit down. Yeah. Cause it was so full. Um, okay. So I think we've beat that to death. Yeah. You definitely have to uh, find the ways to maximize your sales. And part of that is also knowing your audience. I would say my probably my most used phrase on the podcast so far has been find a balance. You do want to have an idea of what your audience is going to be like. For example, at the Florida Flea, um, there's going to be a lot of what we call hipsters. Um, there's also going to be people who maybe are from not in the city that are coming in for this Mm -hmm. event because they want to shop. There's going to be the other vendors that are there. They're coming, like you said, 
all over the country, all over the region. Yes. Yeah. Um. So the this last weekend, I did a like a family fun festival in a very small town. <laughs> How'd you do? I did great. I did fabulous for completely different reasons than why I did great at the at the Florida Fleet. Let's unpack that a little bit. Um, But I made the same products. I had the exact same things that I took to Florida Flea that I took to this um, fall festival. Okay. Part of the reason is at the Simpsonville Fall Festival, which is the one I did last weekend. There are much less booths. Mm -hmm. If there was 50 booths there, I would have been surprised. So the options make it less confusing for a customer. I would say it was probably way less crowded too, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there wasn't thousands and thousands of people going in there for sure. Um, But, uh, you know, the old saying, like, a confused shopper doesn't buy. Right. There wasn't 200 booths for them to try and decide, is this where I want to spend my money? Should I wait? Maybe I'll see something else. Brings up another good point, and we've talked about this before, Um, and and really why it was magnetized the way you ran your booth. And (laughs) no one's coming back. Like, people would pick up a mug, pick up a T-shirt. They'd think, oh, this is interesting and all that. The booth owners who engaged with them right away made sales. I watched it. I watched it at the Big Four Arts Festival too. And I, I engaged with several artists and just asked them, like, how'd you make this? Like, there was one, this guy from Africa, who made single-piece statues out of one piece of stone, but he used different polishing and etching wow. types. And it was all handmade. Gorgeous artwork. Like, wow. Amazing. And But <laughs> had I wanted to spend that kind of money on a piece of art, I definitely would have bought because he was... As soon as I came over and started admiring it, he was telling me, showing me the pictures of the tools he used. He had the whole story on the wall. It was the perfect setup. Brilliant. Love that guy. And then I saw other booths where it's just like, there's our shit. <laughs> like, you want it? Like, man, like you're, you're spending your entire day out here. I know you have, and that's what I think, why I think it's possible because I've seen these same vendors at, at these same events. I, I can almost the same booth in the same place. I think they're like legacy. And I think they have a certain expectation of this is what I'm going to make at this event. This is what I'm going to make at this event. And this is okay. And this is okay. It's like, man, but if you could capture 10% more, 25% more, what could you do? What could you do with that extra capacity? You could get better stuff or get more stuff or speed up your processes with better machinery or higher help. Or you could just stay home if you don't feel like selling anything. I mean, True. not to be not to be sassy, but... It gives you options. If you want to have a business, a product-based business, and a lot of the service-based businesses too, if you want to have a business and you want to make money, you have to sell that product or that service. And, you know, you may not be a social butterfly that likes to talk to everybody, but if you can't get up and sell what you're selling, go home or or get, get a, what we like to call a real job. Add more good ideas. Jeez, brutal truth from Angie. It is because it's, it almost makes me mad because I'm out there working. (laughs) I take it so personally. I'm like, I'm screwing the rest of us. I'm out here busting my buns because I want it. So it's like when I see people who appear that they want it. I could have had that five feet that you're wasting. Yeah. Right. Maybe they wouldn't charge me so much. You know, maybe the shoppers would come here more often, especially the ones that happen regularly. Like I do have regular customers from these events now and not to toot my own horn, but some of them come to the event to see me. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm like, I wish the rest of you all would step it up so more people would come out here. I don't care if they buy anything from you, but... Anyways, I mean, you don't have to be the most charming, you know, best looking, charismatic, but if you can even say hello, you're mm-hmm. going to be a little bit ahead of the game sure. yeah, in a vendor I, event. Yeah, I did notice one thing, and of course, again, I'm not about to start telling Florida Flea or anybody how to do their stuff, but there were some just overall engineering things that I saw about the entire event as a whole, like the food trucks. Uh, you know, they were all on the very end. And that's probably by design for some reason. But then because the seating area is so small, most people would get their food, which is some sort of handheld pile of greasy stuff from mm. a food truck. And then they would have to walk halfway to the middle and then out to the seating that, that goes out, you know, by the boat docks. Yeah. Now, like, why not put the food trucks right here? And they're centrally located in the middle of everything because I think a lot of the booths especially ones right next to the food truck, they really got short-shrifted because people were like, oh, we'll come back to that. But they were getting food, and then they were walking halfway through the show. Yeah. And then you sit down and eat. You forget everything you saw there. It's like, well, well are we going this way? Are we going that way? Do we go this way? It's getting hot. I'm getting tired. Or people are, like, waiting in line in front of their booth. You know, they're... Yes, there were food lines that were people were... <laughs> and that blocks up traffic for... Yeah, I think the person who's parked right next to the food trucks, that's a tough place. Unless mm-hmm. you're also food or beer. Yeah. And there was one or two beer booths. Um, so I think, yeah, I think one of them was right next to the food trucks. And then right next to that was somebody where it started kind of a vintagey thing. Yeah. I also noticed um, on the other end where one of the DJs was, I think every one of the booths was more vintage, antique stuff, used clothes, old stuff, um, more like an antique mall type stuff. But it was all all in one place. And I think interspersing some new products like yours and some other stuff, maybe a mug vendor and stuff like that. And then as you went out towards the parking in the grass, there was more vintage clothes and just stuff. But then it mixed in that with some yard art and stuff like that. I just, I don't know what kind of intentionality or planning goes into that. And I'm sure there's probably very good reasons. And I'm sure somebody will let me know why, (laughs) why those food, and it could be a power situation. Like the power generation could be there from the city and you don't have a choice. Yeah. Fair enough. But <clears> I, <throat> I just, I think that's worth thinking about. You brought up a really good point, Jay, which is as a vendor, you really have to vet your events and look at, are they strong organizational wise? Are they jurying the vendors? So are there going to be 30 other people out of 50 that are selling the same thing that you're selling? Are they going to have food? Are they going to have drinks? There's so many different variables that go into it to make it successful. But um, one thing that I see, and this is the first time I've ever done Florida Flea, so I'm not speaking about them at all. But is it a money grab for the people hosting the event? We're going to get as many vendors as we can possibly fit. We don't care what they're selling. We don't care if they're selling. Have you have you experienced that? Yes. Oh, yeah. I have. They literally will put in whoever signs up and pays the booth fee, and they will fill it wall to wall. Uh-huh. It doesn't... They put no thought into how well the vendors are going to do. Uh-huh. Depending on your product, you can have a lot of the same things, and they're all going to be completely different, like T-shirts or, or clothing just in general. I have noticed that when we'll go to an event, and I'm like, man, there's a lot of beeswax candles here or a lot of honey tumblers 
Yeah, and oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, usually I'm I'm cool if I see one or two, but if I see five or six, you know, and everybody's selling the same thing, it's like this this isn't a worthwhile event to right. come to. I want to see different stuff. And it doesn't matter how great of a salesperson you are, how awesome your product your commodity is. Now. You're in an oversaturated market. Mm -hmm. I would say social media really is the best way to do that, to make sure that the people hosting that event really care about you making money because they're going to make money no matter what. You're paying for your booth. So it's not a percentage because I don't know. I haven't done any events where they asked for a percentage. Okay. It was a flat fee for your space. Oh, okay. So you're just on your own. Yeah, okay. They make their money. Well, I didn't know if because of like advertising event or, you know, overhead or electricity, if they had some sort of. So most of uh, the ones I do, if they have electricity, typically there is an upcharge. Um, and or Wi-Fi or whatever. And there's also limited spots that can access it. Okay. So, um, or if you want like a corner space or if you want some more footage and you're, you know, sure. um, but the people that are posting that event, they get that money. So they get your $75 for the day, whether you sell anything or not. It's only 75 bucks. Some of them are more. <laughs> I'm just I did speaking, not know that. I'm just speaking in generalities. I guess I'm going to have my counselor booth up. <laughs> Depending on the show, I mean, I've done shows that were like 25 bucks oh, to get Oh, you need to in. hit me with that because I will just take up 10 by 10 and just come talk to Jay. Right, and you're not out that much. And, you you know, your kids are big, so you're not losing a lot of time. But, again, right. there's so many variables that go sure. into this. But also, um, you know, maybe you're somebody who's thinking about putting on a vendor event to promote your company, organization, um, whatever. You know, I, I would really think about that. Is there a way that you can make your money, but also that the people that are going to come and vend are going to be able to make it worth their time, too? Well, that yeah. goes a long way for me with an event event you know maybe it wasn't the most profitable in terms of like dollars per hour but they really made sure that they put me in front of the people that were going to buy my stuff or you know i've been to events where right across from me is another person selling t-shirts now I, I don't expect to be the only t-shirt vendor at every event okay right. i get that but you had to put us right across from each other then you end up becoming best friends because you're both pissed at the people <laughs> that put on the event you know <laughs> The enemy of my enemy. Together, yeah, to be like, why'd they put us across from each other? I've done a lot of shows, so I've, you know, for the most part, I think the people that are putting them on consistently, um, some of them are like um, the flea off market. That's what they do. That's their business is putting sure. on these vendor events. So I think that they put a little bit more forethought into what well, kind of experience the actual vendor is getting to. Well, their business model thrives on you wanting to continue doing shows at their event or continue renting space. Right. So they get it. It's not just a one-off, oh, we have this space. Let's fill it up this weekend because we got nothing better to do and take all comers. There's a production company that I will not name. But anybody who knows me knows who it is. Like Miramax? Like no. a movie? <laughs> they, pr they produce these vendor oh, events. Oh, okay. So that's, again, if you're thinking about putting a vendor event on, that's something that you really want to think about is, obviously, your profit is going to be number one, but are people going to be able to make a profit from your events? Because that's how you keep your customer, right? That's your service. Sure. Are you doing everything to keep your customer happy? Yeah. And, and reselling to existing customers is way less expensive than finding new ones. Yes. So it makes sense to, to uh, provide the best events. Yes. If you are considering hosting vendor events or being a vendor at a craft fair or a festival, 
make sure you do your research on the event, what kind of parameters you're going to have to be able to make it most worth your while. And in the next coming weeks, we'll have lots of more tales from the craft fairs and tips for you to be the best business person you can at a vendor event. And I'm Angie. And I'm Jay. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out this episode of the More Gooder Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at More Gooder Ideas and search us up on Facebook, the More Gooder Ideas Podcast. And don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode.